Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase an Atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com. The good thing is I think uh, for the most part, you know, I've played with Andy a couple times, you know, whether it's been in-game or if Travis was hurt last year, so I do have some experience with him. And, you know, and, and Rad is a real smart player. He's boys the puck, so he'll be easy to, to, to play with, but it will be a, a little bit different uh, not playing with him tonight. Some of the guys are joking around, give us grief, and it's like the first time he's been split up in a while. So <laughs> it's uh, it's all right. You know, we're just going to do what we can and, and try to go and get a win tonight. So we're going to see some very different-looking defense pairings tonight as the Flames continue a four-game homestand. For the first time in a long time, Noah Hannafin will not be playing with Travis Hamanick, as you just heard him discussing right there. Tonight, it'll be Giordano Hamanick, Hannafin Anderson, Brody Stone, at least to start the game. And it just speaks to the ongoing struggle this coaching staff is trying uh, to, to button down and try to figure out what the the best look is for this team at forward and on the blue line and look I mean when you're when you're breaking up a pairing like Hannafin and Hamannick which has been one of the glue parts of this team since the beginning of last year they they essentially other than when Hamannick has been hurt they essentially have played every minute together at five on five since the beginning of last year and since Hannafin became a member of the Calgary Flames and now look this might only last a period. This only might might only last two shifts. Who knows? I mean, we've certainly seen things like this not end up being a long-term fit, and a lot of times you see the coaching staff go back to the old familiar, but it is uh, it is kind of interesting to see Hannafin and Hamannick not playing together, and, and to be perfectly honest with you, Kleiner, I don't mind this idea. I like the idea of trying to spread this thing out because I think having a, a little bit of a different look on your D pairings, I think and we'll get into Oliver Shillington in a second, but you bring Stone back in and you take a look at the way the three pairings are set, I, I think it's pretty spread out. I mean, Giordano and Hamannick, Hannafin and Anderson, I don't see a ton of separation between those two pairings. And, and Brody Stone is, is, I think, a little bit of a drop on your third pairing, but I think you uh, know what you're going to get from Stone from a defensive standpoint, and you know that you can start those guys uh, with a lot of defensive zone shifts, and Stone's comfortable in that type of scenario. So I don't know if this is going to be the long-term look, but I don't mind them giving a try because perhaps the thing that has been the most, I don't know if the word's disappointing, but maybe the most glaring early on is that this blue line has not been anywhere near as cohesive or anywhere near as high level as it was for most of last year. That's that's one of the big strengths the Flames had all year long was that they could roll out the same D pairings on any given night. You knew what they were going to be. There was a lot of comfort level with the guys playing with one another and there was a ton of consistency and continuity on the ice well they have not been at that same high level this year and and so i i get why they're trying to shake things up a little bit because it's it's been a struggle for a number of the guys on that back end this year yeah it has been and one of the things that i like about how everything is set up is the pairings now kind of have their their own identities while while i think there is a little bit of everything with those. If we're getting down to the last five minutes and you need a bit of a, a shutdown shift, 
that can go to a, a Jordan and a Hamannick. If you're down by one, you can go Hannafin and Anderson, who I think would be a bit more offensive-minded than that, that first pairing as well. And I think this also kind of speaks to uh, a bit of a shift in how Giordano has played uh, a little bit uh, because I, I think last year it was, well, yeah, you can put anyone with him. Brody struggling, but whatever. You have the Norris Trophy winner beside him. This year, we've seen a bit of a step back, and now maybe he needs a bit more support, and I think Hamannick is the perfect guy to help him with that. I am so excited to see this Hannafin and Anderson pairing working in the offensive zone tonight. And we've seen Stone and Brody work. But I, I think it, it gives this blue line a bit more of an identity and uh, a bit more versatility as well late in the game. Well, and I'm, I'm with you. I think that Hannafin Anderson could be a really interesting pairing for this team. And maybe it doesn't last a long time this year, but down the road... Hannafin Anderson as a pairing that's that's pretty interesting because yeah. at some point Mark Giordano isn't going to be playing on the top pairing either because his contract runs out or he retires or they go in a different direction maybe he moves down the depth chart uh, as as he gets older I mean let's not forget he's 36 this season so at some point he's not going to be on the top pairing uh, sometime in the next five years I think that's probably fair to say that he's not going to be a top pairing defenseman um, sometime in the next five years That's so hot take. i don't think it is that much of a hot take <laughs> i mean i know he's he's the one i know i i, <laughs> I, I did pick up the facetiousness yeah, in your voice just dripping um, in sarcasm i mean if there's one guy that could defy that it might be him because of how much of a genetic freak he is but um I really like the idea of Hannafin Anderson going forward and, and seeing what those do, two can do together because if that were to be a top pairing on this team down the road, I don't think that would be a, a big-time shock. Hannafin needs to keep on progressing. Anderson needs to keep on progressing. But, you know, down the road with a few more seasons under the belt for both these guys, that could be a, that could be a really interesting puck-moving uh, pairing with some good offensive upside. Yeah, I like the way that might shape up. Yeah, and just looking age-wise, obviously contracts can change this and all of that, but best-case scenario for the Flames, this is your top pair for the next decade. You have Rasmus Anderson at 23. He's the elder statesman of that duo. He, he is older than Noah Hannafin, as weird as that is to, to wrap your head around to the point where I'm, I'm not 100%. With, less, with significantly less NHL experience. Yes, yeah, exactly, which speaks to how well Noah Hannafin has, has progressed in his NHL career. But no, I think the Flames would look at this as a top pairing moving forward once, as you mentioned, Giordano kind of takes a step back uh, in the year 2050, uh, and, and Travis Hamanick, we don't know what his contract situation is going to be, and the Flames have done a good job with this blue line bringing up young guys, having them fit into to top situations, and I know we'll talk about Oliver Shillington. He didn't necessarily do that to the extent that Rasmus Anderson has done, but you see the yep. success of Anderson, and you see the su success of Valimaki. Now you're starting to put young players into key lineup positions, and Anderson, I think, has stepped up in a major way and has earned not only this for one game, but I think he has earned a spot in this top four moving forward, and I, I think the Shillington move kind of speaks to the fact that Anderson's going to be staying in this spot long term because you can put Rasmus Anderson in a top four spot with with that though you get Brody and you get Shillington as a, a third pair I think we saw enough of that the other night that that's not necessarily how you want to go so I think part of the Shillington move down to Stockton shows me that Anderson's going to be spending more time in the top four and Brody is going to get a bit of a step back 
Well, and what's really interesting is just assuming. I'm, I'm just, I'm just projecting down the road because Yusuf Valamaki is in the conversation too. So with Hannafin, Anderson, Valamaki, and and I think Shillington's still part of it. We'll get to totally. him in just yes. a second. Um, but there's there's four guys that you can continue to move forward with. Now, I I don't know what the future holds for any one of Brody Stone or Hamannick. I I would suggest that two of those guys have a better chance of being back next year than the other. I just I would be shocked if if Brody and the Flames find a, an agreement going forward that that seems like you know it might be just a, a parting of ways at the end of the season. I could see one of Hamannick or Stone being back next year. Stone in a depth role in, in a very similar um, you know close to NHL minimum contract, and and I'm I'm curious what's going to happen with Hamannick because he's not uh, negotiating in season. Uh, at least that's what reports are telling us right now. So maybe that's another scenario where they go in different directions but let's just assume that not and none of those guys are back stone Hamannick and Brody decide to move on or, or the team and the player part ways next year well there's some interesting there's some interesting targets to go after in unrestricted free agency that could be interesting to kind of fill out a top four if you're going to go Hannafin Valimaki on the left Anderson on the right as a as a top four down the road and I, I'm not even saying necessarily right to start next year because it might take a little while to get there but you know you go target one of those interesting right shot defensemen in free agency some of the names that I'm talking about uh, Sammy Vatanen who's going to play in this game tonight for the Devils Tyson Berry's in that conversation there's there's some interesting right shot defensemen that you could go after um, and I, I'd be curious to see if the Flames might look at uh, Brandon Montour is another one who is a free agent at the end of the year. He's actually a restricted free agent. I take that back. Uh, but there are there, there's three or four guys that you could go and potentially throw some cash at if you wanted to shore up your, your top four. Or you could go and even before the trade deadline target another right shot defenseman to try and bring him in. Because I think you're starting to see Giordano in the mix as well on the left side. Uh, you're starting to see how things can can maybe shape up so if you can go find a, a partner for geo and then have Hannafin and, and Anderson as a pairing next year I, I just it's fun to project what this might look like two or three years down the road yeah it is and my concern with this blue line right now is a lack of depth and when, when you start to take guys out like Stone and potentially a Brody it gets real thin real quick now I'm not saying because of that, you now bring TJ Brody back in the offseason to an exorbitant contract or anything but my concern would be we're a couple injuries away already from uh, Renat Valiev getting thrown into the mix, and we have no idea. It could turn out great, but we have no idea what that looks mm-hmm. like. So I do have concerns uh, about the, the depth of this blue line moving forward, but they, they certainly are building from a, a strong foundation. And if you add to that through free agency, uh, I think that puts this team in an excellent spot moving forward. On the Glenn Morati fan feedback text line, 960-960, Luke writes, I hope they bring Hamannick back. He's one of the only true warriors on the roster. And I'm not saying they won't. I don't know. Uh, All I know is that everything suggests that his representatives and the Flames are not talking right now and won't until the season is done. And I'm not saying that is an indicator one way or the other. I don't know if that means anything other than that they're not negotiating right now. Um, I don't know what Hamannick's camp is looking at in terms of uh, a desired dollar figure. Uh, he took a, a pretty sweetheart deal in New York and, and he's been giving teams pretty good value for a little while. So I don't know if he's looking for a big time raise in free agency. So I, I think there's a chance they 
bring him back. I just don't know what that chance is at this point. Uh, this says, think they'll try to find a deadline deal for Brody then. Uh, I, well, I they, They've already tried them. to find a deal for Brody. Well, and I, I, I think that the Valimaki injury might have might have put the brakes on them urgently looking to, to move him, but I still think they'd be willing to move him, and I wonder a little bit if Brandon Davidson coming up is, is trying to get a look at him to see what they have in another defenseman at the NHL level if indeed they do go that way. They, I think they have a pretty good idea of what Shillington is. Um, so maybe looking at Davidson gives them an opportunity to say, okay, this guy can play in a bottom six, a bottom pairing role. It gives you a little bit more confidence that maybe you could make a move involving Brody. Um, this reads bit of an assumption, but based on last year's playoffs, how much are they missing Valimaki right now? I think they're missing him. I think that he takes away from their depth significantly. Uh, this reads team could use a shakeup. They're too comfortable right now. I like the shakeup on the blue line. And finally, I hope this lasts all game to give it a good valid shot. Now is the time to experiment. There you go on the Glenn Morati fan feedback text line 960-960. Welcome to the Steinberg Show. Steinberg and Klein along with you on this Thursday game day. Flames, Devils, 7 o'clock, Sportsnet West and Sportsnet 960. The fan, David Riddick, Mackenzie Blackwood is your goaltending matchup tonight. Uh, lines stay the same as they were on Tuesday. Monaghan with Gaudreau and Lindholm. Backlund between Manjapani and Kachuk. Ryan with Bennett and Quine, Jankowski between Reeder, and I guess I lied, there is the one change. Reeder, Jankowski, and Lucic, who comes back in after serving a two-game suspension. Frolik is your healthy scratch tonight. We told you what the blue line pairings are, and David Riddick gets the start in net. I was a little surprised to see Oliver Shillington sent to Stockton this morning because I've liked the way he's played. I think he's developing into an important part of this team going forward, but that's the key word that I think is important for the Flames. So I was surprised and and I think that the team has more options when he's up because it gives them a little bit more flexibility. But listen to Bill Peters as he spoke this morning. Here's the reason in, in his eyes why they're sending Shillington to the American Hockey League. Oliver Shillington was outstanding. I uh, really liked him, but we don't want him sitting either, right? So now what we want him to be able to do, and he's done it in the past, he did it when Husk was down there with him, is go down and kill penalties. So when he comes back up, that's an option for us. We want him killing penalties. We want him on the left side, specifically. Uh, Kale's well aware of that. So when we bring him up, that we could possibly use him in that role and reduce some other guys' minutes. So they want him to start working on becoming an NHL penalty killer. So sending him to Stockton is something that they feel they they want to do. And and I. I buy that a little bit, like that they, they definitely want to start going in that direction. So I, I think there's a little bit of that, that they, they want to start that development and continue developing him as an all-round defenseman so they can bring him back and use him in different scenarios later this season. And I also, I really do think, look, Brandon Davidson's off to a nice start in the American League, tied for the league lead in scoring for defensemen with 10 points in 10 games. Like He's off to a really nice start. And if they are in a spot where they want to make a trade on the blue line and, and let's just say for sake of this conversation Brody's that guy that they're thinking of maybe moving out well if that's the case Kleiner they need to get a look at maybe another guy and, and I think I think there's a little bit of that wanting to see a little bit of Brandon Davidson at the NHL level and see if he could be here if they could be okay with him as a 6-7 defenseman on this team so I think there's a, a, a few different motivations as to why this move was made today. Yeah, and I think you reward a player who has been playing well in the American Hockey League, and as much as we like Oliver Shillington, his game is certainly not 
flawless either. I, I think there are things that he can go down to the American Hockey League and work on. You, you heard Bill Peters talk about that in, in that clip, that the, the penalty kill is, is something that they would like to see him getting more opportunities on. That was never going to happen with the big club. So it's it's almost a, a Dylan Dubé type of situation where if you were to just sort by overall, he's probably one of the Flames' top six defensemen, but there are aspects of his game that he can work on at the American Hockey League that can just kind of get him to, to level up a little bit more. Shillington to Stockton. Davidson up. Davidson will not play tonight. He will be the uh, healthy scratch on the blue line as the Flames host the New Jersey Devils at 7 o'clock tonight. We're on the air at 6 o'clock with your Calgary Flames warm-up. Flames looking to make it back-to-back wins to open up this homestand. Listen, Mondays from 9 till 10 a.m. for the Eric Francis Show brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. Thoroughbred Racing has an annual economic impact of $399 million and positively affects almost every Alberta community. Learn more at thehorses.com. Week 10 in the NFL starts tonight. Our guy Chris Abbott from Odd Shark, he's leaning towards the underdog in the Thursday nighter. We'll tell you more about that with his weekend best bets coming up next. Steinberg Show's underway. Sportsnet 960, the fan. The Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase an Atlas and you can get up to $4,000 bonus cash and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com. Flames game day from the Scotiabank Saddledome. David Riddick and Mackenzie Blackwood, your starters for the Flames and Devils, respectively. Did you know that no goalie in the NHL has started more than David Riddick this year? Did you know that this is his 15th start and no other goalie has started more than 13 games early on this year? Now, part of that is because the Flames have played more games than anyone else in the uh, Western Conference. Tonight will be game at number 19, but still, as we talked about yesterday on the Daily Flames Roundtable, don't know if anybody saw that many, that bulk of starts early on this season for David Riddick. The only uh, change tonight from a Flames perspective, there's two of them, I guess. Michael Stone comes back in, and he'll play on a deep pairing with TJ Brody this evening up front after serving a two-game suspension. Milan Lucic will uh, return to the lineup. He'll take the uh, place of Michael Froelich on that line with Mark Jankowski and Tobias Reeder. Okay, week 10 of the NFL season starts tonight. It's the LA Chargers on the road against the Oakland Raiders. It's time to say hello to our guy Chris Abbott from Odd Shark who joins us every Thursday on the program. Hello Mr. Abbott, how are you? Hey Pat, how's it going my friend? I'm doing well, I'm doing well. I'm curious, uh, you're leaning towards uh, the, the Raiders are not favored at home. Uh, the Chargers are favored by about a point and a half most books on the road, but you're leaning Raiders tonight, hey? I am. I've actually seen this just before uh, you guys called me. Uh, I've seen it at two at some places, which is I don't know. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. If you think about the, how Oakland's been at home, they're 3-1, and one, both straight up and against the spread. And the one loss uh, in both of those categories was against Kansas City where they had one bad second quarter where Patrick Mahomes went off and he was dropping passes into uh, thimbles in the end zone with his like fourth and fifth receiver. But outside of that one quarter, Oakland's been unbelievable at home, and I think we're also seeing an overreaction to the Chargers' win over the Green Bay Packers. I think that said a lot more about Green Bay. I mean, Aaron Rodgers basically came out and said uh, our guys were enjoying themselves in Los Angeles and took the Chargers a little lightly. So I'm kind of going to swipe that one away, and uh, I really like Oakland here. 
So the Oakland Raiders and L.A. Chargers open up week 10 of the NFL season. Curious to see a couple of other your uh, best bets for the weekend as we look at Carolina and Green Bay. You just talked about the overreaction to the Chargers against the Packers. Uh, Green Bay's favored by 5.5 at home to Carolina this weekend. They are, and uh, I really think you're going to see a bounce-back performance from Green Bay. If you look at their... uh, the results over the years, you'll see that, you know, when they have disappointing losses, they usually come back pretty well. I've been a big uh, proponent of this Carolina team. I really do like them, but uh, I, I think I like Green Bay at home in this one. They've got the number seven scoring offense in the NFL. They've put up a ton of points at home. They're scoring 28 points per game at home. Carolina on the road is uh, a little bit worse at 26 points per game, but I, I do like uh, I like Green Bay in this one. Aaron Rodgers was not happy, and a, uh, a pissed-off Aaron Rodgers is not what you want coming at you on Sunday. We are expecting Patrick Mahomes to return to the Kansas City uh, offense this weekend. Uh, has not been totally confirmed, but Mahomes and the Chiefs, if Patrick plays on the road in Tennessee and Chiefs favored on the road here. Yeah, I think he might play, but even without him, Matt Moore's been pretty good in relief. You got to give it to him. Six points is a lot to lay on the road, but we are seeing uh, 71% of the action actually coming in on Kansas City here. And a big part of this is we know Kansas City's going to score and we know their defense isn't great, but the worst part of all that equation is that Tennessee's offense is brutal. They're number 26 in scoring in the league, scoring 18.5 points per game. Uh, it has not been good for Tennessee, and they haven't even had the most difficult schedule. They've uh, got wins. Their only wins are against Tampa Bay, the Chargers, and Atlanta. Um, nothing to be proud about there. So I think you just got two teams at, at uh, kind of different points in their in their cycle, if you will, or, or their organization. So I, I do like Kansas City here. I don't mind also teasing them down, uh, maybe putting them in a teaser with Baltimore. I think 10 points is a lot for Baltimore on the road too. So if you did a six-point teaser, and that would be Kansas City just to win the game and Baltimore minus four, that, would, uh, that wouldn't be a bad option either. And final game I wanted to look at with you is Minnesota-Dallas, kind of a marquee matchup in Week 10. Cowboys favored by three at home. Yeah, you know, Pat, for me, I think this Minnesota team has been very consistent this season, especially when they're playing in a dome. They're 3-1 and against the spread at home. They're 2-0 and against the spread on the road in domes. So they're going into Dallas in a controlled environment. They've covered the spread nine of the last ten times they've played the Cowboys. Now these teams don't play every year, and take that for what you will. But it is still relevant, I suppose, in a little bit. Plus, I just like this Minnesota team, and Dallas has been too inconsistent. So they're getting three points on the road in a in a controlled environment. I'm going to go with the Vikings here. Chris Abbott's with us from Odd Shark. He joins us Thursdays to try and win you some money on the weekend in the NFL. And also a uh, very adept hockey better as well. And you gave us a really interesting theory. It was last week. You, you It wasn't your theory, but you're talking about one of your colleagues' theories about uh, th- this it's a it's a group of teams, and whenever this group of teams plays one another, you always got to bet the over. Can you reset the theory for us and tell us how it played out in a game that fit last night? Yeah, for sure. So it was six and one so far when Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto, Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, Columbus, any combination of those six teams playing each other. My friend Harry Gagnon from Ogchark says to bet the over. And uh, it, it seems kind of weird, but it's worked at 6-1 and one this year. 
Tonight, you've got uh, Philadelphia and Montreal playing. Six and a half is the total. So I've already made my over bet there. And then you've got the Flyers in Toronto on Saturday. Those are the next two times that these uh, six teams get together. So I'm going to keep playing it until until the numbers turn around. I mean, it's it's completely, um, it seems like it's arbitrary, but I suppose it's not. It's been something he's been monitoring for a couple of years. So, uh, you know, if you, if you can't figure out a bet to make, why not go with a hot trend? So where does a theory like that or a trend like that, like how, who, how do you pick up on something like that? Your guy, Harry, like where, where does he find us? Like, is it just all of his different analyses? Like, wait a second, I'm discovering a trend because that, that is a bonkers one. And it seems like it's a legit one too. Well, it it just starts when, so you're, you know, in Canada, obviously you see Toronto, Montreal, and Ottawa play each other a lot. And if you're watching those games, you think, man, these, these teams always play to high scores. And then maybe, you know, you see Pittsburgh and Philadelphia play each other a lot. And it's like, those teams always play to high scores. And then you start digging in. And you start saying, well, if these guys are all going over the total in games against each other, I wonder what it's like uh, when they play other teams. And, and you kind of whittle it down like that. So it really does take research and uh, time to look into these things but that's why odd shark is so good it uh for people who don't have the time to do that they've got people working there that will put that information out there for you and uh, you know it's, it's just one of these things i had last year it, it made no sense at all but it was afternoon games between metropolitan division teams i saw the total going over a lot now huh. there's a little bit of overlap there where you with uh you know pittsburgh and philadelphia but uh, you know, New Jersey, New York, those afternoon NBC games, I would all—they would always go over the total. It was so weird. So it was something I gravitated to last year. I didn't know if it was you know like a, a Saturday night followed by a Sunday afternoon start. If it was guys were thrown off with the afternoon games. Um, yeah. So I haven't uh, seen too many of those matchups yet this year. I usually see more Sunday afternoon games after football's over. But it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, you also have picked up on a trend involving the team that we watch here in Calgary. Flames, you've uh, found a pretty easy bet for them in the first period. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so something else in the NHL that people are now betting besides, you know, the full game, win or lose, or the total. Um, and it's great, especially uh, for people in the on the East Coast, not so much for you guys in Calgary, but if you want to watch a game for one period and go to bed and have your bet settled, uh, people are doing first period totals. Usually the total set at one and a half. With the popularity of this, uh, we've seen a lot of juice, so like minus 150 to bet over, or sometimes it's gone up to two goals. But in uh, the games that Calgary's played this year, they are the very best bet in terms of first period under betting. And uh, I don't know if that's something that, you know, in your coverage of the team where you've seen and said, yeah, you know what, Calgary's had some low-scoring first periods, and maybe you don't equate it to betting, but uh, they are the best team in the league to bet under the first period total. It's very interesting. They have not had a lot. Of, they've, they've had some third-period comebacks of late. The first periods have not been great for them. That, uh, I, I did not equate it to betting right away, but that's why we have you here to help uh, train my brain in that regard. Uh, yeah, tell us, 13, tell of us. Their, oh, sorry, 13 of their 18 games is what, is what if the first period under is hit Jeez. and six of their seven home games. Yeah, 13 of so 18. it's significant. Yeah, yeah, that is significant. That's a... That's a nice ratio if you've done it 18 times. You'll take the 13-5 to five split there, no doubt. Um, tell us a little bit more about what you can get at Oddshark. If you uh, pop on over to oddshark.net, tell us about all the resources available. 
It's unbelievable, actually, the amount of information that's in one site. So you can get all the betting lines from all the online sports books, a number of sports books in Las Vegas. Um, so you can compare and see where you get your best value. We don't take your bets at Oddshark, but we can tell you where a good idea to place them is. So you can review all kinds of online sports books that you can, you know, go click on, deposit and play, you know, in moments. And uh, there's usually some good bonuses there. But outside of that, uh, if you're just inf- interested in information, we've got matchups, um, written articles on b- every big game, every NFL game, every college football game, lots of NHL stuff. Um, you name it, NBA has started now. You name it, you can find it at Odd Shark. You can find the odds. You can find where people are betting on these games and uh, just so much more. There's, there's a, a litany of information. And the most important one I use every day is our database. You can search. Um, I'm not sure who Calgary plays next, but, for example, say it was Edmonton. You can put in, uh, you can search the NHL database for Calgary, Edmonton, who's uh, won, what the to- goal totals have been, what the spreads have been, home and away, things like that. Um, It's really a remarkable tool. Great stuff, my friend. We'll do it again next Thursday. Thank you, Chris. Good luck this weekend. Yeah, thanks, Pat. Take care. It's Chris Abbott from Odd Shark who joins us Thursdays on Sportsnet 960. The fan, he joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. The same secret recipe since 1975 for pickup or delivery. Call 403-248-3344 and find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. This is the Steinberg Show on Sportsnet 960. The fan. This Steinberg Show brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volts Fest. Purchase a Tiguan and you can get up to $2,500 cash purchase bonus and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com. Coming up on November 14th. A uh, very special night for our good friend Bob Wilkie of I Got Mind, who joined us on the program right now. Uh, November 14th, Brookfield Residential YMCA Theater at Seton from 7 until 9 o'clock. The uh, I Got Mind tour is uh, returning to Calgary. Uh, all the information at igotmind.ca, but why not talk to Bob about it? Hello, Mr. Wilkie. How are you, pal? Things are good, Pat. Yourself? I'm doing very well. I'm uh, I'm I'm looking forward to the event, November fourteenth, which just happens to be a week from today. Uh, tell us about the I Got Mine tour, and tell us about what uh, what is you know what attendees have in store on November fourteenth. Uh, I've got my good friend Sean O'Grady, who's our mental health clinician, here with me, and you know we're just so excited to be starting our our second year. The the response that we had the first year was overwhelming you know, being able to share our experiences of how we became mentally ill through trying to achieve, you know, our goals in sport and, and what it caused for the parents and, you know, the coaches and everybody involved. And then being able to shed light on how we can do this better so it's a better, more positive experience is just, uh, Pat, it's an awesome evening. So, Sean, what are uh, what are some of the things that we can expect, uh, and and some of the discussions that'll be had coming up on November fourteenth? Yeah, hey Pat, thanks for having me uh, as a part of this. Um, I, I think a lot of it is is education and and normalizing a lot of the experience people have. Uh, we we want to celebrate parents and coaches that put their time and effort into involving kids in sports and recreation. We we know, you know, uh, you know. 
the neurosciences tell us that that's not one of the best things that leads to kind of brain development and the well-being and resiliency in young people is to have them involved in sport. We just feel like because as parents and coaches and, and, and people that are involved, the pressure builds, things get a little bit intense, and all of a sudden we can get a bit sideways with, with how that experience is, is happening for, for, these, for these kids. And, and, uh, and I think that's what we want to do is to, to normalize that, make sure people understand, yeah, that happens, but how do we maybe control ourselves as adults involved in youth sports a little bit differently, maybe more effectively, so that it does what it's intended to do, which is to be a great experience for, for all the kids that participate in it. I really think the word gents normalizing is important because and I don't know if it, it always like when, when you talk about that uh, you can say well it's important to normalize but Sean what does that mean tell us a little bit more about what you mean by by normalizing some of these experiences yeah well I think any of us that have had our own children I mean I'm you know I'm involved obviously in the mental health field and I've spent a lot of time in, in, in the child protection world as well but any of us that, that have our own kids, we know that there are some pretty intense emotions that come up when we start to involve our kids in, in you know, sports, or, or, and particularly competitive sports, is all of a sudden, you know, parents are, you know, it really does um, kind of sweep over us, and all of a sudden, we're feeling things that we didn't maybe expect to feel, we're a little more amped up about a call that might have been made, we're starting to pay a bit of attention more to to the amount of ice time or playing time on a field or court that our kids, and all of a sudden we might be in these conflictual interactions with, with coaches, with other parents, with with our athletes that we probably didn't intend to be, and so, so what I try to do is normalize that these are pretty normal things that happen within our brain and within ourselves, but how do we maybe bring a bit more insight to that, give people the strategies that they need, because no one starts off wanting to do that, but yet we've all had either personal experiences or stories where you hear about someone that, that just kind of loses control and it, and it creates embarrassment and it creates hostility. And, and, and I just try to help people understand, yes, we're humans having a human experience. Here's some strategies. Here's some information that we can use to, to I like to call it, save ourselves from ourselves a little bit in some of those situations. With Bob Wilkie and uh, and Sean from I Got Mine, Sean O'Grady and Bob Wilkie, the I Got Mine tour is rolling into Calgary for a November 14th date at Brookfield Residential YMCA Theater at Seton. Bob, tell us about the actual event itself. From 7 until 9 o'clock, it's a two-hour type of a seminar. What, what type of things are you going to do? Just, just give us a feel as to what that two hours is like. You know, it, it's a great experience. We like to call it uh, educational entertainment. There's there's lots of laughing. We we make sure we have a good time through it and, and don't take ourselves too seriously. Um, I get into telling my story of you know at the age of ten, starting to experience the pressure from coaches, going through bullying from teammates uh, as a teenager, um, into the bus accident and Swift Current and the trauma. And ultimately, you know, the end result of, you know, battling depression, anxiety attacks and, and, you know, suicidal thoughts and tendencies. And, you know, Sean explains what's happening to my brain through each step of the way. We have a a panelist that we're bringing along um, right now. Megan Cotterell is an 11-time gold medalist in karate and kickboxing. And she's going to tell her story uh, of trying to be a woman and achieve things in sport. And we have live interactive polling, so we're asking questions of, of the participants. 
that that are there that night you know have you ever experienced so up on the screen they can see that they're not the only one that's struggling with you know maybe anxiety or stress on a daily basis or you know all the different mental illnesses that people are starting to be open to talking about and at the end of the night everybody walks out feeling a little bit more hopeful and like sean said a little bit more normal who is this important like if if you were to say and and target this towards anybody who who is this most important for is this most important for the athlete to to stop by it's an important evening for the parents is it pretty wide ranging it's very wide ranging and, and what we found is athletes 13 and up um, because they're starting to experience these things it, it really is relatable for the parents especially um, because of what they're seeing in their athlete or maybe what they're doing and then the coaches as well it's important um, because what happens is they relive a lot of the things that they went through as a young athlete. Um, also what they're seeing in their athletes that they're trying to help as well. So it, it kind of touches on all the demographics, both male, female um, athletes, parents, and coaches. Well, gentlemen, it's uh, it seems like it's going to be a, a really important night on November 14th, but also uh, an important but also really enlightening night. Uh, Bob, the, the website is igotmine.ca. Tell us a little bit more what you can get at the website on top of the information about the event November 14th. You know, Pat, I have to thank you for those times that we spent together last uh, year doing the, the weekly or the monthly spots because you were always saying, you know, what's the information that's on there? And we've spent the last six months really populating it with a lot of information. Um, we have online courses now that people can take um, for the athletes, the parents, and the coaches so that they understand these things better. Um, you know, we want to make sure that people are getting the resources that they need to really enjoy uh, all the benefits of sports. These are lifetime memories that we're creating here and um, learning how to have positive relationships and achieve things and we just want to make sure that we're doing our part in providing a resource for the people to be able to do that outstanding stuff gentlemen sean thank you so much bob thank you so much and uh, have a great event one week from today november 14th thank you gentlemen take care of yourself pat have a good day Bob Wilkie, Sean O'Grady from I Got Mind joining us here this afternoon. The event is November 14th at Brookfield Residential YMCA Theater at Seton. It goes from 7 until 9 o'clock. All the information, igotmind.ca. Once again, that is igotmind.ca. Pat Steinberg along with you as we continue on a Thursday edition of the program. It's the Flames and the New Jersey Devils tonight for a 7 o'clock face-off here at the Scotiabank Saddledome. Be tuned in tomorrow for Hockey Central at noon and lose mailbag. Now, uh, probably too late for this week, but still plenty of opportunities throughout the season. Get your questions in at sportsnet.ca slash 960. And if your question is read on the air, you'll be winning lower bowl seats to an upcoming Flames game and a $100 gift card to Ruth's Chris. Lose mailbags brought to you by Ruth's Chris Steakhouse, making celebrations unforgettable is one of their many specialties. You bring the occasion, they'll bring the perfection. Ruth's Chris Steakhouse had a, a great dinner at Ruth's Chris. Last night, for instance, uh, we were there for the with a couple of people that are a part of Flames Radio. It was uh, a great evening, and uh, I can highly vouch for the ribeye at Ruth's Chris. Uh, that'll do it for the Steinberg Show on this Thursday afternoon. The Flames have made a few interesting decisions on their blue line ahead of tonight against the New Jersey Devils. We're touching on all of that next. Pinder and Steinberg kicks off in a few minutes. Sportsnet 960, the fan.